Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader Store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasova, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time at the Ben Show as I speak. It's Thursday, February 24th, 2022. Headlines in today's newspaper, very depressing. Russian troops poised to invade U.S. warns. Well, since this newspaper arrived, the New York Times uh, dropped on my doorstep this morning. Russia has invaded. We've already talked about it in the show uh, that was recorded today. So we're going to deviate from that a little bit and uh, talk about something else. But I just want to give you an idea, ladies and gentlemen, as I always do, what's in the news uh, the day we do these things. and People go back in time, like a year from now, they'll be listening to this interview and they go, oh my God, that's what's going on. Uh, all right, let's hope there's a world a year from now. All right, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest to introduce himself as I do with all distinguished guests on this show. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Jeff Jenkins. I am a proud Chicagoan, public school parent to two kids, and a proud owner of three rescued pit bulls, and married to one beautiful wife. Wow. That's, that's the first time any distinguished guest, Jeff Jenkins, has given a shout out to his or her wife or husband or partner or whatever. So kudos to you, man. Uh, now I'm embarrassed. I'd like to give a shout out to my wife, uh, who's been putting up with me since the year 1981, ladies and gentlemen. I know. Jeff's like, God dang, you're old. All right. Uh, you didn't mention the, the circus. I know we're not going to talk about it, but just give it a little promotion. Well, I'm also the founder, co-founder, along with my wife and the executive director of Chicago's one and only Midnight Circus. So hopefully some folks have had a chance to, uh, to join us in a park anywhere across the city. It's a spectacular show, and the mission is even better. All right. And he is also uh, the answer to the question... Uh, why did uh, Ben get in so much trouble with his uh, real progressive neighbors on the north side of Chicago? Because I voted for Jeff Jenkins in the 2019 automatic, even though Matt Martin was in the race. And Matt Martin won uh, and is now my alderman. I love you, Matt Martin, but loyalty is very important to me, and I have known Jeff for a long time. Uh, and he was on the front lines of many of a fight against uh, the bureaucrats at the Chicago public schools. So I just felt, even though my... <laughs> 
Uh, all the Martin heads in my life were going, what are you doing? I voted for Jeff Jenkins. Uh, but anyway, so let me just back up and uh, tell you what we're going to be talking about and how it came about. The other day, it was about a couple of weeks ago, I was walking down the street, walking uh, through my neighborhood. It was really cold. My head was down. I was thinking about, I don't know what I was thinking about, probably the bulls uh, knowing me. And all of a sudden, I hear my name, Ben, Ben. I look up, and there's Jeff Jenkins. I hadn't seen this man since Election Day in 2019 when, by chance, I saw him outside a polling booth uh, in, uh, in the ward. And we started chatting about this, that, and the other thing. And that's when Jeff Jenkins, I thought I knew everything about you, Jeff. You dropped a, a bomb uh, on me that day, revealing that you have a, not beyond a love, a real knowledge about rescuing pit bulls. Uh, and many obsession of mine, love pit bulls, uh, the bizarre infatuation our culture has with them, and how that's led uh, to dogs being horrifically treated. Uh, I think this popped to the front pages of the newspaper uh, about a decade or so ago when Michael Vick, uh, the great quarterback, was was arrested for abusing uh, pit bulls, but uh, may have been other dogs besides pit bulls. Anyway, when you told me about the extent of your efforts to not only uh, rescue pit bulls, but also to bring them back uh, into society, if you will, rehabilitate dogs that have been abused, and teach the techniques of dog training to all kinds of people in all kinds of neighborhoods, working with Michael Vick. Uh, I just said, you got to come on the show and talk about this. And uh, so I don't know, where do we start with this? Why don't you start by talking uh, a little bit, a bit about what your uh, group does in regards to saving pet pools. Go ahead. I, I was thinking back because I knew we were going to chat today. Uh, and I thought, God, where do I begin? Because it is, it is, it's been a long, it's been, you know, several several decade journey. Um, and I was trying to time it out and I went, okay. And, and, and one of the touchstones I said, I, I thought to myself, how long have I been at this? Okay. Uh, well, I remember w one of the times that I was in, um, Illinois youth corrections in St. Charles with my pit bulls, uh, the first dogs ever allowed in that facility that weren't uh, drug or bomb detection dogs. Uh, and I was doing my program for the young men in there, but we had to get special permission uh, to bring in a, my cell phone and have one of the guards hold it during my presentations because generally everything has to be left in the locker. You know, I'm thoroughly searched, as were my dogs, um, because my wife was scheduled to go into labor the next day. And in the event that she went early, they wanted to be able to let me know, and they had somewhat of a plan to hopefully get me out of there. They couldn't promise because they go on lockdown semi-regularly. Uh, so I could get home to, to, to witness the birth of my first child. And he's 16 now. He is a junior uh, in high school here in Chicago. So that, but I had been doing the program for a couple of years at that point. So I've been at it, I've been at it a long time. Let's just put it that way. Um, you know, for me, the journey started out, well, look, before I jumped into the pit bull stuff, I was in, I'm in the circus and I was in the circus and I ran away with Ringling Brothers in Barnum Billy Circus right out of high school. And that had a profound impact on me for a lot of reasons. Um, one of the reasons was watching how people worked with animals. And I will say some of the ways that some of the people worked with animals was beautiful and holistic and positive and other ways was not. Uh, and that, that had a, a, a deep impact on me. Um, and then I rescued my first pit bull 20 some odd years ago. Uh, her name was Lola and she was a tough bugger. I tell you, I, when uh, a friend of mine who was a dog trainer at the time had her, and he said, I got this dog you should check out. And so I went over, and I was 
playing with her and I took this little ball and she was really ball driven. I thought that's great because you can train through ball drive. And I threw the ball and she went and got it and she came running back. And then I reached down to, to get the ball because I was all excited and she spit the ball out and she nipped my finger <laughs> and she let me know, hey, you don't just reach down and grab my ball. And I thought, okay, I, I respect that. You know, I moved in too quick. I was all excited, you know, novice mistake, right? Um, fast forward, she was she lived to be 16. She was spectacular. She was the first dog that went with me into a Chicago public school, that went with me into Illinois Youth Corrections. She was the first dog, and I don't know if you know this about my dogs, but they have been a member of the Bulls Entertainment family for the past 10 years. So when there's a timeout on the court and they cut away to commercial, a lot of times it's me and my pit bulls out there on the court entertaining 80,000 people. And Lola was my first pit bull to ever do that. So we had quite a journey, me and Lola. Wait, tab out before we go any further. Did you say Bulls games, as in my beloved Amen, Chicago yeah. Bulls? You know who's the hugest Pitbull fan? I will tell you, there's several of them. Um, Kirk Heinrich would always come by the locker room to meet the dogs, always. In fact, once he heard Lola passed, and he came and knocked on my door, and he said, oh, I see you're here with your new dog, and I just want to let you know that, you know, Lola was really special to me and the rest of the guys, so I just wanted to let, you know, share our condolences. I know how important she is to your family. Um, but yeah, I've been doing, I've had one, two, three, well, I'm on my third, uh, soon to be my fourth generation of pit bulls performing, uh, for the bulls games. And the great part about it is they, they give, uh, you know, they, they treat the dogs great. I will tell you that they give me the locker, the, the guest locker room. They give me the dressing room that is right next to the bulls dressing room. And there's a special hallway where the tiles are different color that no one can go except players and, and, and important player personnel. So I step out of my dressing room and I'm warming up and stretching out and doing my tricks with my pit bull. And that's exactly where D Rose and Bill Winnington and Kirk Heinrich and you name it, they're standing right there with me, stretching out and warming up. And these guys love dogs. They love dogs. So they're always reaching over and petting the dogs and we're chatting. Um, and another huge Bill Winnington, come by every time he would have to duck to fit in because he's incredibly tall and kind scotty pippen huge dog guy would always come by um but i've been doing that for for over 10 years now it's terrific wow that's pretty cool i uh by the way just in, in my mind is the way my mind works when you were telling me that uh with the players come over to pet the dogs i could see a larry david episode where uh <laughs> the dog bites the player and uh, anyway that's not going to happen it's just, it's just a Larry David episode. All right. Um, so I, I went off uh, the tangent. I on a tangent there. So how, okay, so you already were involved uh, with pit bulls. Were you uh, back, uh, what, when your son was born, around the time your, your oldest son was born. So when you say rescue a pit bull, what does that mean? Well, you know, it, it varies. Okay, this Lola was, uh, she was found by a friend of mine who was a dog trainer. And then he took her in to his facility because he knew nothing good was going to come of her if he left her, you know, if he didn't. Um, uh, but he also knew that she was a challenging dog and couldn't go to just anybody. So we ended up adopting her. Uh, and, and she she was a fair amount of work because she was a very high drive dog. And she tended to be very dog reactive because of whatever happened to her when she was running around the streets. Um, and so I... I brought her in, and at the time, we were a fledgling circus company doing our thing. Um, and so I trained her uh, naturally. And then, look, here's the thing with dogs. They need a job. You know, the smarter they are, the more energy they have, the more important of a job that they need. Uh, they need an outlet. They need to be challenged. 
both physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, they need a routine. Uh, and so I trained her to do all kinds of great tricks. I mean, I've taught her basic obedience, obviously, to a very high level, sit down, stay, come, heel, off leash. Um, I think that's important for anybody who has a dog, especially in the city. Um, but then I taught her these wonderful circus tricks, jumping rope, jumping through hoops, opening and closing doors on this little dog house I built. You name it, she could do it. Dynamite. And she loved to perform. And nothing through her. Audiences, crowds, fireworks. Uh, you know, I worked her through all that stuff. She was great. Um, and so what I did was I, you know, I got her to a certain point and I thought, and I, and, and you know this about me, Ben, you know, I tend to be civically active and engaged and, and, um, I, I, I would always watch and see how young people reacted to Lola being a pit bull. Uh, some of them would be terrified. And then when they would see her do the tricks that she did, their eyes would, and they would smile on their face. And, and, and then all of a sudden they, they would lean in a little closer. And then after the show, kids would always flood into the circus ring to meet her. And I had, and I remember I had one moment where she was just, there was a pile of kids on top of her. There had to be 30 kids on top of this pit bull. She's just laying on her back and they're petting and rubbing her. And one of the moms looks over at me and this was up there on the North side, Wells Park, I remember. And she said, God, I, I never would have thought that a dog like that is capable of, of, of what she's capable of. And, and, you know, and at that moment I thought I need to do more with, with Lola. She can be a great messenger. She can be a great conduit to reach people and teach people and perhaps break down some preconceptions about what, what these dogs are, what they are capable of. Um, and also part of the circus mission and part of my mission has always been to, to find ways to, to, to make a difference in communities outside of the community I live up here on the north side, to, you know, to reach across Chicago and do what I can. And so I, I actually, this is, I, I made a DVD uh, of Lola doing her tricks. And I went down to the Anti-Cruelty Society because that was, at that time, the one um, kind of rescue organization in Chicago that I knew of that had a bricks and mortar facility. And I went to the front desk and I just said, hi, my name is Jeff. I run a circus. It doesn't mean a lot to you. This is a DVD of what me and my dog do. And if there is any way that we could help you in your mission, we'd love to volunteer. Gave him the DVD and I left. A couple weeks later, I get a phone call and um, they were, Anti-Cruelty Society was launching a new initiative where they were trying to go into youth correctional facilities, namely St. Charles. And to talk to the young people, this is when, you know, the scourge of dog fighting was really kind of at its apex in Chicago and across the country. Pitbulls were on the headlines of newspapers and magazines and you name it, and it was all bad news. And they said, we have this idea, we want to go in here and we want to talk to young people about dogs, specifically pitbulls, and how, you know, treating them with kindness and empathy, proper training, proper socialization, they can be wonderful animals. Um, and, and they had a... a, a they had a bunch of different speakers they wanted to bring in, people much smarter than me, uh, people trained to work with young people. And there was a uh, two of the young women who are counselors in St. Charles were, were the catalyst for it, too. Um, but they said, you know, it would be great if we could actually bring in a pit bull. And we saw your videos. Would you be interested? I said, absolutely. And that really, that kick-started the whole journey that I've been on now. And that I still, you know, the, the work I still do with the Anti-Cruelty Society. Um, but the first, I will tell you, the first time we went in there and uh, did the program, it was really something. The response from the young people in there was 
was really, really, it was really special. So talk a little bit about the work that you do for the Anti-Cruel Society. What exactly is it that you do for them? Um, I've been working them, with them for, for a very long time. And I've worked with for other organizations. I sent you the one video that I from the HSUS. We can talk about that because that was some pretty intense stuff. And that inv- did involve Michael Vick. Um, but I've always had this relationship with Anti-Cruelty Society. And we've actually grown it for the past couple of years. Um, and presently, we have two programs that we do together that I'm really the mainstay of. We have the uh, Canines for Kindness, and then we have the Canine Kindness Academy. Canines for Kindness is a program that we take to youth correctional facilities, uh, Chicago Park District day camps, public schools, private schools, schools all over the city uh, at, during COVID. Uh, um, with our, our, our numbers actually shot up because we had libraries and schools reaching out from all over the country who wanted us to present the program because it is really active and engaging. Um, and it's dynamite live or a dynamite to stream. Um, and so what we do is it's really all about treating dogs with kindness, empathy, and positivity. All of the training I do is through positive reinforcement, and I demonstrate how I do that. And so the kids get to see my dogs in action, my two young puppies, and then my older dog, Rosie Ray, who's nine. They get to see me do, you know, kind of amazing circus tricks and basic obedience. And there's always this wonderful Q&A back and forth because they want, well, how did you teach a dog to jump rope? And, and then we talk about the different personalities of my dogs and dogs in general. Uh, and then, of course, it, it, it gets deeper, too, because inevitably, well, Here's a great example. Yesterday, well, on Tuesdays, once a month on Tuesdays, we do Transformation Tuesdays with uh, Cook County Corrections. And it's a group of young people who are on parole and they have to do community service hours. And so they tune in to Canines for Kindness. And the first time we did it, the PO who runs it said, well, okay, Jeff, here's, we're going to try it. Generally what happens is, you know, a couple dozen young people tune in from across the city, all across Cook County. They have to be here. It's part of their deal. They have to tune in. Their camera has to be on. They have to participate. But usually we don't get a lot of questions, maybe 45 minutes and, and you know, but we'll see. Two hours later, two hours later, we had to call time out. The dogs were tired. I was a little bit tired, but the questions and the give and take and the back and forth was, was really special. Um, and we, 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 we dove deep because inevitably you're going to have some guy who says, young guy who says, man, your dogs are awesome. Can we, can you, can we breed your dogs with my dog? <laughs> Happens every time, every time, which is great. I, I welcome that. question, um, And we welcome that. My, my partner, Elliot Serrano with the Anti-Cruelty Society welcomes that question because then we can talk for real about why we wouldn't want to breed pit bulls or dogs. We, you just don't want to be breeding dogs in your home. I mean, there's an incredible overpopulation problem in Chicago. We're going to have a real discussion about it. Um, it's terrific. Uh, and inevitably you get some young people who will confide in you, especially when we do the program in person, which we're going to be going back to when I would do it in, in, in St. Charles, I would always have a, a kid or two kind of pull me aside and, 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 you know, kind of whisper something in me or talk a little bit about their dog that's at home or a dog that they had that maybe they didn't treat the way they, they probably should have or that they'd never met a pit bull that was so kind and capable of all these incredible tricks and could they contact me when they get out or where could they learn to do this? Um, and, that, and those are the seeds you want to plant. Uh, but well, that's, the canines, that's the Canines for Kindness program. 
uh, and it, it is the schedule is booking up for this year. We put the word out, um, and schools all across the city are reaching out, and we're going to be able to go back live. We were just actually down on the far south side at a school if, uh, last week, and the, we got to be in the auditorium. And then what happens is at the end of the program, ultimately, the kids get to come up and they get to grab the leash and take the dogs through the obstacle course and the jumps and the A-frame and the sit and the stay. And then they get to give the dog the treat and, you know, the dog's lick. It's a beautiful <laughs> moment for them. <laughs> uh, that's beautiful, man. I love dogs. Just hearing it's giving me chills. All right. Uh, you say uh, train dogs uh, through kindness and empathy. And there was a third word you used. I just, I didn't yeah, write, I, patience, I, patience, positivity, patience, kindness, okay. and empathy is, uh, is right. what I, you know, we try to focus on. Because there's a bigger message, too, you want to demonstrate to these young people. You know, ultimately, it's not just about treating our four-legged friends that way. It's about treating each other that way. All right. So what I want to ask you is explain uh, how you can show empathy uh, or have empathy for a dog and then how you uh, radiate that to the dog so the dog understands uh, why you're in the training process. No, well, first of all, dogs are great. They can read our body language. I mean, the moment you walk in the door, the dog sizes you up, right? I mean, are you a pushover? Can they, you know, they, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm guessing that you walk in and they go, oh, we're going to work, we're going to work that over and he's going to give us way too many treats, you know? Um, that's what's beautiful about them. I and they're, they're brutally honest. Um, so, so, you know, they, and I always tell people when I'm working, especially when I'm working with young people, I said, look, and this happens a lot in, in the youth correctional facility. When I give them the leash, I say, okay, you're going to work one of my dogs. Now they're trained and they know the course, but they're not just going to run through it. You need to encourage them and you need to lead. You need to lead with authority. You got to let them know you're safe, but you, there's got to be kindness in there. And every some kid will grab the leash and go, stay, sit, let's go. And the dog will look at him like he's crazy. And I said, no, 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 she, you need to lighten up. You got to put a smile on your face. Your body language has to say, you know, I'm not afraid of you. I'm, I'm not here to make you afraid. We're going to do this together. And, and then some young man or woman will get up and they'll get on their kind of, you know, they'll get on, the, they'll, they'll have a voice that's authoritative, but it's upbeat. And it's, all right, Lola, you ready? Hey, we can do this together. Here we go. And then her tail starts wagging. And then they whip through that course. They sit. Stay, Lola. Oh, good girl. Watch me. Yeah. <laughs> and then the other people, you know, they light up. And that light bulb moment goes off. You know, you can lead with authority with, with, with a dog, and you need to to keep it safe. And, and, and my dogs are high drive, you know. Um, but, you, but it has to be an element of kindness in there and empathy. And that dog's got to feel safe in your hands. And you, but you have to let down your guard, too. And that's not easy. It's not easy for a young person, a young person in a youth correctional facility, to let down their guard. And show some genuine emotion to an animal, or uh, maybe anybody. Uh, are you 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 rattled off so quickly I couldn't take notes. The basics uh, that everybody should uh, train their dog to be able to do. I think I heard sit in them. What are the others? Yeah, and I think this is it, whatever breed of dog you have. And look, I, when I say pit bull, I, I mean it's a generic term for me. It's a bully breed. I mean, there is so much breeding and crossbreeding and backyard breeding. And so it's a generic term. Let me first say that. But I believe every dog, particularly in an urban environment, we owe it to them to give them the training and the tools to succeed. Nothing breaks my heart more than when I see a dog that was bred to, to work. 
to fetch, to play, to run, to be a dog. And the owner hasn't given it the tools to succeed. And so it's, it's acting out or it's not leading a full life. It's not leading a productive life at all, you know, and it ends up in a shelter or they're miserable with it. So look, sit is crucial. Stay. And I don't mean stay while I'm holding a giant delicious treat in the <laughs> living room and look at me for a second. Yeah. I mean, sit and stay at the stoplight while the bus goes by and the kids go by and the squirrel runs by and the other dogs go by. And then when I say heal or free and what walk with me, that's, that's really important. Uh, down, really down will save your dog's life. I live a couple blocks from Western Avenue. And like a dummy, I went out one time and flung open my backyard gate, and one of my puppies just took off towards Wells Park. But they were going to cross Western Avenue before they got there. And I'm running down the street, and I said, oh, good God, I hope this works. And I just yelled out. And at the time, I, I trained this drug in German. I yelled, plots, ground ninja. Boom, the dog instinctively just hit the ground. And then I walked up, and I put the leash on, and then I pulled out a treat, and I said, good girl. I was so proud of my dog. I was embarrassed as a, you know, as a neighbor and a dog trainer that I let it happen, but it really did save my dog's life. So sit, stay, down, come, the recall command, very important. And, and one of the hardest commands to teach, because I think it takes the most patience, right? We all want to pop our dog off leash way too soon in the park while we're playing fetch or to impress our neighbors or whatever it is. And we, and we, and then the dog figures out real quick, oh, I don't have to come. So I always caution people, take your time on that one. Sit down, stay, come, and heal. So when I'm walking, you walk next to me. You don't drag me down the street. I think that's really important. Okay. Um, by the way, train your dogs in German? I, what, wait, I know that's... <laughs> what's, you speak German, number no, one, No, I don't speak two. German. Let me be clear. A lot of dog trainers use German. It's a very firm command, a very crisp command. And Germany is a country where dog training is taken very seriously. Um, dog breeding is, is taken variously. A lot of the great working dogs come from Germany. A lot of the ring sports originated in Germany, Schutzen and others. And so, uh, a lot of trainers use it. There was a time when I was using it a lot because I was doing a lot of personal protection training or I was in, in that world. Um, so sits, fuß, here, plots, things of that I nature. See. Okay. Um, I don't uh, use it as much anymore. Every now and then I'll throw a plots in here and there. It's just got a nice crisp sound to it. Um, but really, at this point, I could look at my dog and I could say, you know, banana split, and they would know what I want, probably a sit or, you know, they kind of they read my mind at this point. Well, you know, it's funny you should say that. This goes back to a debate I've long had. It's not really a debate. Uh, my father was a big believer in this. I think uh, he, because we, we had dogs coming up, and he always said it's the tone. So, uh, not what you say. So, and so he would... <laughs> This is passes for humor in my family as a child. Uh, don't uh, judge me too much, Jeff. Uh, so this would pass as like a good time. So you look at the dog, <laughs> you look at the dog, and you say something like this in this tonal voice: "Oh, you're such an idiot! What a dumb dog!" <laughs> dog's tail's wagging. You're really stupid. Did you know that? You're a complete moron. You must have voted for Rahm Emanuel. Rur, rur, rur. Oh, wait. I'm sorry. That's my neighbor. Um, but uh, seriously, folks. Uh, no, it is true. It's, it's, I say that all the time when I'm working with young people. I say, it's not what you say. It's how you say it. 
So when you when you're across the room and you know Lola, Rosie Ray, Ricky, Bobby, whatever one of my pit bulls is laying there, and they and I and I want you to give the recall command and have them come running into you and sit all excited. You can't say, "Rosie, come." I'm <laughs> not going to be excited about that. But if yeah. you go, "Rosie, here," and you know, then she's going to come flying in. But again, it's you have to be a little bit vulnerable when you're when you're when you're recalling your dog in that way and asking a young person, a young person who's, who's not kind of comfortable showing their emotions to do that, you know, but, but when they do, and then when they, they get the reward of that dog pit bull running in and sitting right in front of them, man, they beam with pride. Those are the moments that I love. Uh, before we get into uh, the whole culture of breeding and fighting, et cetera, and so forth, and how you're, what you're doing about that, I, I have to go on a little uh, aside here and get your thoughts. One of my pet peeves has nothing to do with the dogs, but dog owners. And I'm a dog lover, but I'm not a big fan of dog owners. I must make that uh, confession right here, right in front of you, Jeff. Uh, and w- <laughs> I once was late at night walking my dog, who had long since passed. Uh, I see you, Nikki. And um, some dog came bounding uh, from across the street, running at us. And the owner is yelling, I don't know, whatever, halt, stop, whatever the command is. I can't remember, but like, stop, you know, sit, whatever. And the dog was totally ignoring the owner and just ran and started engaging my dog. And it was a big, bigger dog. And I was afraid. I was pulling my dog away give me get your dog and the owner runs over and then he started acting like we did something wrong well you didn't do that i'm like are you kidding me your dog's off the freaking leash and i know jeff jenkins that this can lead to more fights dog off the leash and then the person insults the or says something that's critical of dog Dog owners are very, very sensitive about criticism of their dog. They're probably more sensitive about criticism of their dogs than they are about criticism of their children, which is quite a statement. Uh, And so I feel like in the city of Chicago, on the north side of Chicago where I live, among uh, relatively affluent white people, they are way too confident in their abilities to control their dogs, and they're way too sensitive uh, when you criticize them for it. Have I unfairly tarnished the uh, character of many of our neighbors? And feel freely to speak, uh, Jeff, because I don't think you're going to run for alderman anymore, so who cares what they think about you? Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I always say this, look, I love, I'm, I'm crazy about dogs. Some, uh, you know, I'm the crazy dog people, you know, they, they tend to get on my nerves a little bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a good line. Like, rarely do I blame the dog when when there's a situation like that. And I look, I see it all the time. I think we probably, you know, we live in similar neighborhoods, Ben. I think we're real close. That's why we see each other walking around the street. Um, and um, I've had my share of dogs come running up off leash to my dogs. Uh, and my dogs are very well trained and very well socialized. Um, but at the same time, I've had, a, you know, I've had a few dogs in my time. Lowell was one of them who, if an off-leash dog came running up and was inappropriate right up in her grill, she was going to let him know. Um, but it certainly wouldn't be my fault if my dog's on leash in a sit-stay and some doodly-doo comes running up off-leash and jumps on her from behind. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I'm with you, Ben. I think we're like-minded. Sure my pet it's team. the owner's fault. All right. 
Yeah, it's owners. Hear that? 47th Ward owners, get your act together. All right. Uh, let's move into uh, the whole n- culture of breeding dogs and fighting dogs. And I'm going to ask an obvious question uh, that I'm, uh, I've been wanting to ask you uh, anyway. So what is it about a pit bull that makes it a, quote-unquote, good fighter? Controversial question, Ben. I will say that. Um, I, there are, you know, There are folks who believe that um, that pit bulls, they will only engage another dog if they're abused and trained in that way. There are folks who believe that all pit bulls are mean um, and dog aggressive, period. There are plenty of folks in the middle. I happen to be, I think, someone who is in the middle. Um, but let's let's be realistic here, too, that dogs across the spectrum and for, you know, People bred certain dogs to do certain tasks. That's the reality. They, 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 they were generally working dogs. They worked for us, whether they herded sheep or they helped hunt or they protected the farm or whatever it was. There were, and there were folks who created dogs to be fighting dogs. They did it in England. They did it here after you know, the war. It became very popular um, before, thank God, organizations made it illegal. Um, so there were dogs that for generations were bred to be dog aggressive, good with humans, not good with dogs. And then they bred certain character that what they would call gameness. They bred for gameness, a dog that would, would want to go after another dog and it wouldn't stop. Um, animal abuse, no question about it. High threshold for pain, very strong, very lean, generally very small and wiry, so it had a lot of stamina. There were people who bred for that, unfortunately. And those dogs were dog reactive. Now, is it to say that they couldn't be trained and socialized properly? They could, no question about it. And we proved that after the Vic case, that was proven. You could take dogs who were bred to fight and who were abused and fought and you can you could rehabilitate them some to the point where they could live with families and other dogs and children and be fine others who had certain quirks and challenges and maybe you didn't want to run other dogs but they could be great with people um, but they you know the pit bulls were exploited there's no question about it um, and those traits were bred, people bred for those traits. And you can do that. You can breed for certain traits. You can breed for dog reactivity. And then you can train for dog reactivity. And people did. Uh, but then there were organizations, Anti-Cruelty Society, PAWS, Humane Society of the United States, ASPC, who really stepped up um, and, and, and lobbied. And this is where you'll appreciate it. And I spent a lot of time doing it, going to D.C. And... And, and, you know, twisting arms of Congress people and state senators and representatives and, and older people working to make that illegal. Not only to make it illegal to, to breed and train dogs to fight, but to attend a dog fight. There used to be a time when it was totally legal. And then there was a time when it was against the law to fight a dog, but it was perfectly legal to go to a dog fight. Absurd. So that I think so, I answered probably a lot of questions. In there. Yeah, no. So how do you untrain a dog 
that's been bred and trained to be a fighter? Uh, it's a long process. Uh, and there are a lot of people who are great at it. There's a lot of people who are probably better than me at it. I think the most important thing, and I would you know, I keep going back to this, is you have to have a lot of patience, a lot of empathy, a lot of kindness. I think you also have to be realistic about setting expectations for the dog. Not every dog that has been horribly abused, whether it through dog fighting or just neglect, um, lack of socialization, malnourished, you name it, they may not be able to get to the level of, you know, a completely social dog that you take to the dog park. But that doesn't mean they can't lead full life. That doesn't mean they can't be a wonderful part of a family. Um, so I think setting realistic expectations is important. Um, so you don't set the dog up to fail. Um, and I also think, again, you have, you have to have resources. The great thing about what happened with the Vic dogs is um, these organizations lobbied and said, hey, he's got a lot of money. He needs to pay to rehabilitate these dogs. And the judge hit him with that. And so organizations stepped up, uh, Best Friends, Animal Society, HSUSA, ASPCA, these other organizations, other smaller private organizations stepped up and did the rehabilitation of these dogs. But it took, in some cases, years and years and a lot of money and a lot of time. All right. We've now... Uh, I've made reference to Michael Vick several times and uh, realized that maybe some people out there who don't know or too young would have it. You remember Michael Vick, great, great quarterback, made a lot of money in the NFL, and he's, uh, he's right now become a TV commentator, turning into a media personality. Uh, at the height of his career, uh, he was caught running a dog breeding compound, I guess you could call it, uh, that was... Uh, churning out fighters. I think there was some dog fighting on the compound as well. Uh, Jeff, Bad News members. Kennels in Atlanta. In a swanky kennel. neighborhood in Atlanta. In yeah. a multi-million dollar home. He had a, a, a dog breeding and fighting operation going on. Yeah, and he was uh, arrested. Uh, he was tried. And then he was sent to federal prison. Uh, and I forget how many years he spent in prison uh, Jeff, I I just can't remember. He came back in a couple of years, let's say. Anyway, uh, and I remember then and now, I hear from people that a disdainful attitude toward the whole process, particularly when they compare it to how somebody is not punished for killing a human being. Or so they use, there's an immediate comparison. Well, oh, and tell me, Michael Vick got two years for the for dogs. It's 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 been reduced to a sentence. Uh, and um, so talk about that, Jeff. The attitude that, as bad as it may be, uh, to abuse a dog, it's not as bad as abusing a human. So lighten up. And what's your reaction when you hear that? I know you must have heard that. That's from one at one point or another in your life. I know I've heard it many times. Go well, ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, we we chatted about this very briefly, but you know that part of Michael Vick's um, part of what he was tasked to do to be paroled was to work with my program at the Humane Society of the United States, the End Dog Fighting Pitbull Training Team here in Chicago and Atlanta. Um, so he made several trips here to Chicago. Uh, and Atlanta, uh, to work with and speak with and spend some positive time 
you know, mentoring the young people that I was working with. Um, so, and the, the lead up to him, um, coming out of, of being released, uh, we, there, we had some, some real discussions at the time I was working with the HSUS inside the United States. And we had some very important discussions about, you know, is HSUS going to get behind his release? Are they, because, um, it was controversial. It was very controversial at the time. And one of the conversations I had with, with, with the folks at HSUS, the, you know, at the, at the very top, you know, we, um, he said, where do you stand on it, Jeff? Because you're working, you you are, at the time I was running the end fighting campaign uh, here in Chicago, uh, working hand in hand with some other folks. Um, but I was the lead trainer for the Pitbull training team. So each week I was working with young men in um, in East Garfield Park and in Inglewood and in Roseland. And they were bringing their Pitbulls to our free weekly training classes. And many of these young men were involved in the fight game or had been involved in the fight game. Um, and we we actively recruited young guys who were involved in the fight game to to come to the classes and and to ideally treat their dogs in a different way and 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 be a positive influence uh, in the community. Um, and I said, and I remember one time I had said, I said, look, I'm working with young men every day who 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 have who have done some some of the things that Michael Vick had done. Uh, probably not at the scale because they didn't have his hundreds of millions. Uh, but we have been able through the program, to um, to help these young men uh, and to help their dogs and to help other young people by helping these young men and to help the communities. If you have young men who used to fight dogs, not fighting dogs in a community, that is a, that is a good thing. That has a, a, a ripple effect. So I said, if, 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 you know, part of his parole is to, to be released and to work, to work with our program and other programs and to be a positive influence on these young people, then I support, I support him getting out because he was going to get out. But the question is, what was he going to be obligated to do when he got out? And I said, look, he's getting out. If he truly is, um, if he's, if he's truly sympathetic, uh, and he wants to help, then let's bring him out because I'm telling you right now, there are some young guys and this happens to me today. Still, you know, they seem that skinny old white dude and I don't have maybe a lot of sway until of course they see my pit bull jump and rope and then it's a different story but Michael Vick's going to be able to reach him or some of the other guys that I work with some of the anti-dog fighting advocates that I worked with in Roseland and Inglewood and who, who are guys who grew up in the community um, and had fought dogs at one time and don't anymore they're going to be real credible messengers to those young people and so I was, I was, I, I was supportive of it, and 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 I will say that Michael Vick was true to his word, and he came to Chicago many times, and he spoke with the young men, and and I believe it made a difference. What what was sort of the what did he say when he was speaking he to was the young men? Brutally honest. Um, he was brutally honest. I remember he said, "Look, man, I was at one point he said I I was worth millions, mil- tens of hundreds. Of, I was." You name it. I had, I had, I lived in a mansion. I had cars. I, he, I mean, he, he talked about the things that he had and that these young men aspired to have or dreamed of having. And he said, and I lost it all. I lost it all. And then he talked about being in a cell and looking up at the ceiling as opposed to sleeping in his multi-million dollar mansion. Um, it was it was brutally honest, and and these young men, it they, 
it, it was meaningful to them. It was meaningful to me. And I appreciated that he took the time to share. You know, it's an interesting message to relay. And I'm thinking about it. It's probably more realistic. You could say, when you say I lost it all, it does not address the issue of whether what he did was worthy of losing it all. If you follow what I just said, it's not a moral statement about breeding dogs to fight and then uh, sort of torturing dogs by watching them fight till dogs die. It's a statement about being punished, which is, uh, you get what I'm saying? So imagine if Blago was forced, our former governor was forced, just imagine this, uh, to speak before civics classes in Chicago public schools. And he said, you know, I had a 14 years in the slammer or whatever, how many years it's been. Not, oh my God, it's really wrong to uh, demand that hospitals <laughs> contribute to their campaign. They're going to get the funding they need, et cetera, and so forth. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like you're emphasizing the punishment you received as as opposed to the wrong that you did, if you follow what I mean, which is different than saying I did wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believed, I believed that, you know, I believed Mike and what he was saying. He was deeply remorseful. He was deeply sorry. But he also, he he spelled it out for these young people in a way that was meaningful to them. Um and I also said to some of the folks that I spoke to, uh, you know, at HSUS and at other organizations, and I said, and, you know, until you, Michael Vick came up in a very difficult environment, in a very difficult community, and um, I spent a lot of time with the circus and, and, and with the, the, the work I do in animal welfare, um, working with these young people, going into their homes, seeing the challenges they face every day. Uh, it, one of the one of the huge problems we had when I were doing the program, I was down in Inglewood doing it, is uh, you know, a lot, there was a a lack of vet care for these young people to get their dogs to, and then the, a grocery store to get dog food. Ben, a grocery store to get dog food. I would go to class all the time early on, and these young people would come to class, and you know their dogs were wasting away because they didn't necessarily have you know the money. And I said, well, where's the nearest grocery store? Let's go get you some food. <laughs> Stupid yeah. white guy question at the time, right? There wasn't a grocery store for miles around. Um, and then I realized, you know, we adjusted the program. And every time I went down to teach, there was plenty of food in the truck and leashes and the other things you need. Um, but how do you expect a young person who maybe rescues a dog or, or adopts a dog or even buys a dog for all the right reasons, but then can't, doesn't have a grocery store to get dog food close by? Um, so I'm not making excuses for, for the behaviors that they fell into. I'm just saying there are forces outside that are, that are really difficult, that are pushing a lot of young people, a lot of people into making bad decisions. No, there's a big difference between an excuse and an explanation. And, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I always say, man, you can't, you can't be what you can't see. And I remember one of the a couple of times where the young guys would say, man, I've never seen a, a dog behave so well or have so much fun or they just hadn't, they just hadn't been exposed prop to proper to, 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 to an, a human animal relationship, particularly with a pit bull that was real positive. And a lot of these communities, there isn't a dog park to go to. I mean, if you know, I mean, we're fortunate up here. There's a multitude of dog parks. You can take your dog if, if you so choose. 
that's a big that's a thing. I cannot stand dog parks. Yeah, I'm not a Again, dog park guy. Never have been. Too many I'm dog saying, owners. I'm just saying, <laughs> but the, the the playing Chicago is so segregated and so unlevel and so unfair. And you can, look, I'll get out my soapbox for hours on this, and you know it. When it comes to public schools, when it comes to public parks, when it becomes you know safe places, grocery stores, movie theaters, you name it, and 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 and. and and dog ownership and the ability to access care for your dog and an exercise place for your dog and a, a dog park is it they're just not there yeah all right jeff uh i could go on for uh another hour at least i love talking dogs but uh, we've pretty much run out of time before we leave uh, why don't you give folks any information they might want to know if they want to be a part of your program, if they want to contribute to the program, or want to just learn more about it. Uh, how can they get a hold of you or find out information? Go ahead. The uh, You can go to the Anti-Cruelty so website, you know, anticruelty.org uh, here in Chicago, and you can find out. And then, you know, you can just the search Canines for Kindness, and that page will pop up. And I think it's a picture of me and one of my latest rescues, and she's doing an incredible trick. Um, and we love to bring the program to schools and to youth correctional facilities and to parks and you name it. And it's free. We, we, we have folks who have underwritten the program and the, the program is free. Uh, and it's a wonderful, wonderful program for kids and adults, I'll tell you that. And also, if you want to find out about Midnight Circus, you can go to midnightcircus.net. Because a big part of what we do in the circus, as you know, Ben, is we bring it to, to commun- a lot of the communities I've mentioned. We bring it to every corner of Chicago, and we do the spectacular show, and we work hand-in-hand with the park advisory councils and the religious leaders and the, and the other anti-violence organizations, and we help raise money to rebuild the playground right there, and on top of offering a spectacularly fun family event, um, and we've raised nearly $2 million for, for, for parks all across the city. Um, and so it's, it's similar stuff, the circus and the, and the, the pit bull canine work. It's about their conduits to reach people and make a difference in their lives across Chicago. All right. Next time you come on, we'll talk circus. Cause that's another fascination of mine. Uh, talking circuses. I don't know if you, uh, saw nightmare alley, the movie nightmare alley. It's not really a circus. It's more of a carnival. Oh, but, carnies. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, carnies. that's what I say when I, when my circus people do something that's not great. I go, ah, oh, you carny. <laughs> All right. Uh, so before we leave, I just want to give a, a, a shout out um, uh, to the two uh, pit bulls in my life, Holly and Bear. Ruff, ruff. Sorry, bad. Just had to do that. Uh, anyway, Jeff Jenkins, thank you so much. Uh, that was delightful, and I'm really glad I bumped into you the other day. Thank you, Ben. Keep fighting the good fight. I will do that indeed. That's uh, Jeff Jenkins. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader